There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. We are all sitting around my couch. I've got Peaches here. I've got Chris here. I want to give him a little insight into exactly how we're, we're recording this today. I'm happy to report there is a dog between me and Peaches. I just think it's so funny that that was the second most important thing. <laughs> I'm your host, Eduardo, and we're on a couch. We are on a couch. <laughs> we're on the recording couch. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we're here to talk about some Miss Marvel. You guys ready to talk Miss Marvel? I am. Uh, can we talk about the couch? What about it? It's from Ikea. It's more interesting than this episode. Wow. You feel that way? Wow. Uh, I, wow. This is going to be a fun episode, all right, maybe. Okay. All no, right. I, it's not going to be. Well, okay, listeners, it will be, because we always make fun episodes. But I, I don't have anything really to say, though. Maybe I'll it find out. It sounds like out, you don't have anything nice to say. Well, maybe I'll and find out I have say anything at all, I've heard. more to say than I actually think I do. But Find out. I don't know. I just... I mean, between that and uh, the boys this week, those were the two, those are the two new things right now. The boys season finale happened last night. No, that's not fair. It's a season finale. Yeah, I had feelings about that one too, though. Really, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I won't say anything. But oh, for our listeners, one more thing we haven't seen yet is Thor: Love and Thunder. It is out, but we have none of us have seen it yet, so you will not be hearing any Thor spoilers today. Not not from not this from podcast, us. at least. Yeah. Don't right be hearing any else. spoil Thors. Don't don't be Thor losers about Thoilers. it. Thor alerts. Thor alerts. Thoiled again. <laughs> Curses. <laughs> Low key, that was really funny. <laughs> Thor, that was really funny too. Great Odin's Raven. We're talking all about episode five of Miss Marvel today. Everybody Jane. psyched? I'm <laughs> Odin. What? Um. Oh, frigga. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking all about episode five of Miss Marvel, time and time again, directed by Charmin Obeyed Chinoy and written by Fatima Asgar. I hope, really hope that I pronounced those correctly. As a news report exclaims, this is a new era for India because the British have finally entered their rule over the country. With this happening, Pakistan has been demarcated for Muslims, and an unprecedented migration has begun as people make their way across different borders. However, with these new shifts, violence and riots have broken out across the country as people flee. And to really understand what's happening, we've got to go back. Back. Back to 1942. Back to 1985. So, 1955. <laughs> I'm not going to go on too long here, but I, I started to do a little bit of reading on partition. Okay. And it's a very interesting, fascinating, horrible bit of history that I think everyone would benefit from learning a little bit about. I know we, speaking for myself, I never learned about this in school, really, when we did like world history or anything like that. The short version is that in the mid-1940s, uh, Britain, who was 
partially in a sort of recovering from World War II, uh, decided that they would be leaving India. They'd been ruling uh, India colonially since, you know, for a long time at this point. I think somewhere around 100, 200 years. I apologize for not having the facts straight on that 100%. And part of them leaving is what led to partition. So there are a lot of factors at play here, and historians are still debating, but a compelling argument can be made that a lot of the bloodshed that happened in India during partition and a lot of the political divisions, which are sometimes violent to this very day, can all be traced back to the British. Shocking, I know. Um, I was talking to some friends about this, and it's interesting how many... uh, horrible things throughout world history and sorry to our british friends but how many horrible things across the world throughout world history can be traced back to one tiny island that went conquering the world for spices that they ended up not even using (laughs) it's true it is kind of true uh but i'm thinking about my friend spark who's like every meal is chicken and broccoli (laughs) (laughs) but so India was traditionally a very multicultural land. Uh, specifically, there were Hindus, Muslims, and Sikhs. And they lived together really closely, in, not to sound corny, but in general harmony, to the point where a lot of the divisions between the religions kind of faded away. And what? what? <laughs> what? I don't know. You said, you said general harmony. General harmony. General harmony. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, so, like, there were Hindu traditions that were adopted by Muslims. There were Muslim traditions that were adopted by Sikhs. So, like, they lived very closely together. And the British, part of, you know, the divide and conquer strategy, I guess, of colonialism was they started you know, kind of putting people in village. Oh, this is a Muslim village. This is a Hindu village. This is a Sikh village. And it boiled over into Indian politics. I'm not, not going to get too into the details um, when all I've done is read a bit of Wikipedia and a New Yorker article. So I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. Um, I'm, there are, I'm sure, loads of books out there on the subject. Um, but a lot of it boils down to the British started stoking the fires of division between these religions. And that's why it got bloody. And that's why the only thing that they, from their perspective, would solve the problem without a civil war was partition, uh, namely making India a Hindu country and making Pakistan a Muslim country. Uh, A couple decades later, even Pakistan ended up being divided into Pakistan and Bangladesh. So you have the Islamic Republic of Pakistan and the People's Republic of Bangladesh. To this day, there is a movement among some Sikhs in India who want to form their own country called Khalistan. So there is still a lot of division, uh, and it all traces back to this. Um, um, oh, what's the, the actor who plays the great-grandfather in this episode? Um, I want to make sure I get it right. I think it's Fawad Khan. Um, yes, Fawad Khan. Uh, he's a Pakistani actor. Um, very well known uh, in um, both Pakistan and then 
later in India. He actually crossed over into Bollywood. As of 2016, I, I believe there was a uh, a terrorist attack, and now it is law in India that Pakistani actors cannot appear in Bollywood films. So to this day, like he is someone who is living with the repercussions of this. He can't w- appear in Bollywood films anymore because of this. Uh, so it's just very interesting, you know, that how sucks. deeply these divisions are. But hey, the good news is the British got out of India with only seven casualties, so it worked out for them. So, yeah, so it's a very, uh, you know, we see some of the um, the the tragedy that happens in this episode, and you hear about villages burning down, and it was so much worse even than what was portrayed in this episode. The death toll was somewhere between, and this is a very large range because people don't agree on it, it was somewhere between 200,000 and 2 million people who died during partition. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, and something like 10 to 20 million people displaced. So it was a very bloody, difficult, divisive period in time, quite literally. And to this day, it informs um, so much about, uh, you know, the South Asian geopolitical, um, you know, reality, uh, particularly the relationship between India and Pakistan, which as you're probably aware, is very, very strained. Uh, so, yeah, it's a very important period in history that, at least in my American education, was a little bit glossed over. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would love to have learned more about it, and, you know, I'm interested to, you know, read a little bit more about it and, you know, hopefully internalize some of this because it's, uh, it's something that I hear about even... Not to get too much in my day job, um, but I, I I work as an editor for hearings. Uh, of, I edit transcripts of immigration, U.S. immigration court hearings, and I have heard so many that are about, you know, Sikhs and Khalistan. So I've heard about this a lot, and you hear a lot about, oh, the Muslims don't like the Sikhs, the Sikhs don't like the Muslims, the Hindus don't like the Sikhs, or the Muslims, you know, everyone... You know, the, it's gotten to a point where a lot of people think that it it's a relationship that will never recover. And it's, uh, you know, it's just very sad. That's where we find Aisha running away from a British soldier. Finally gaining on him, she turns and throws a dagger square into his chest. So Aunt Ruby was right. She did kill a man once. Aisha arrives at a village center to find a man outside explaining to his neighbors that this is their home and if they have to fight for it, they'll fight for it. His speech is interrupted by a bunch of British soldiers who break up the crowd and send everyone home. Aisha wanders away and eventually finds a field of roses to sleep in. She's jolted awake by the same man from the village who politely asks her to stop sleeping on his roses. He asks if he can help her with anything, but Aisha is short with him. Refusing aid... Uh, refusing any aid, excuse me. However, she still uh, he still offers her food and a place to sleep inside, inviting her into his home. Aisha hesitates, but that night she takes him up on his offer. The man asks if Aisha has a name or if he should just call her Hungry. Mm-hmm. When Aisha doesn't respond, the he Eduardo part joke. Hungry, <laughs> Classic Eduardo. When Aisha doesn't respond, he presses more, remarking that he knows she's not British and she's not from this village, so what is she doing here? When Aisha says that she likes his roses, he launches into his favorite poem. 
When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. What you seek is seeking you. Something in Aisha changes, and she cuts him off and tells him her name. And he finally tells her his. Hungry. It's Hassan, but <laughs> sure. I bet he's hungry sometimes. <laughs> Some time passes, and Aisha and Hassan are living together as a happy little family with a baby on the way. When their child, Sana, is born, Aisha spends her time tending to the little one, and Hassan notes that their newborn looks at Aisha like she's magic. Time continues to pass, and Sana begins to grow up, but considering all the changes happening around them in India, Hassan is nervous for the family's future as partition looms. When one of their neighbors stops by, Hassan's emotions bubble over as he yells that their village is divided and no one will buy roses from him anymore or sell Aisha milk. As the neighbors leave, as the neighbor leaves, Aisha shuts the door. Uh, she spots a shadowy figure outside and she knows exactly who it is. Najma. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, this is uh, also once again written over at marvel.com by our homie Rachel Page. Rachel! We love you, Rachel. Bow, 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 bow. Hey. Outside, Najima is waiting for her and opens coolly with, so this is where you've been hiding. Aisha is cautious, but Najima embraces her. Now that they've reunited, they can finally go home with the bangle. Hearing that, Aisha hesitates since this is now her home with Hassan and Sana. Najima notices this pause and questions it, and Aisha explains that she hid the bangle for safekeeping and it'll take some time to retrieve it. Seeing right through this, Najma informs Aisha that she has until sundown the following day to retrieve the bangle, and then they will all go home as a family together. I do kind of feel weird for the small pack of villains at this point, because, like, to be fair, they had all agreed to try to find their way home using the bangle slash two bangles if they ever find the other one. And then Aisha just was like, nah, this guy's cute. Well, uh, like, I I guess, like, I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just saying I, I kind of understand where they would be frustrated, you know? I mean, like, I get that. But also, I think the implication... The, or the what the show is implying is that they know that when they use the bangle, it will cause some trouble. Like it will not be a fun experience for that current world. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so there could be some some guilt there as well. But we still don't even really know anything. Of the problem is, I guess we don't really know anything about the villains, whether they're actually villains or not. How did they get from the world they came from to here in the first place? Why Why did Aisha leave them in the first place? Right, yeah. Why she, did... At this point, it seems like she didn't want to be with them anymore, and this is before she'd fallen in love. Well, we got that scene of them where they're in that cave, they find the bangle, and then they get like attacked. Oh, And yeah. she's like, I'll distract them so that you guys can get out. And then she thought they were dead, apparently. Right, oh, okay, yeah, that... I didn't put those two scenes together. Yeah. My bad. Is that what it is? I mean, that's. I think that's what the show is trying. I mean, that it's. I think yet to be seen if that was a successful telling because it seems like you're both confused about it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess this is also sort of the explanation for why they turned so quickly when Kamala was like, "Hang on, can I have a couple days to think about this so we can figure it out?" Because she had already heard that once before. Right. 
and it was a lie at that point. Well, you can so also you can also and like I've thought about that point a little bit more. You can also like give them a little bit of credence of like we've been away from our home for like a hundred years or however long they've been there. Mm-hmm. Like we've tried to get home for years and years and years, and we're at the cusp of it. And suddenly you're telling us to wait longer. Like yeah, there it does make sense a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but well, I don't have anything to counter with. I just. I got nothing. <laughs> you could edit this part out. Nice. I didn't contribute anything. Panicked at the disco. Don't edit that out. <laughs> I won't. Uh, panicked, Aisha knows she and her family has to flee. She tells Hassan that the riots are spreading and they've got to leave now because it's too risky to stay with Sana. Hassan isn't so sure about this, but Aisha is able to convince him otherwise. We can take our memories with us. So long as we are together, we can build a home together. What you seek is seeking you, she tells him. Aisha turns to Sana, gives her the bangle. This will keep you safe wherever you go. En route to the train station, Hassan starts to struggle and asks for Aisha to slow down, and also asks her why they're running away so quickly. Aisha decides to show him the bangle and what it can really do. You you always said I was magic, she explains, as the bangle illuminates for Hassan. Illuma (laughs) whaty? There it is. He That's won- the best part of the episode. <laughs> he wonders why Chris saying Aluma Wadi. He wonders why she's telling her this now and explains to Aisha that he doesn't care what she's running from. She chose him and Sana as her family, and that's the only thing that matters. Arriving at the train station, it's pure chaos as people struggle to get on board and say goodbye to loved ones. Moving through the tightly packed crowd, Aisha spots Najma behind them and realizes they're not safe. She hands Sana over to Hassan and instructs him to get her on the train no matter what. Hassan doesn't understand and calls after Aisha, but it's too late. She's swallowed in the crowd. Sana immediately begins crying. There, hey, I feel like we have blazed through so much of this episode, and I feel like that's maybe one of the problems I had with this episode, hmm. is there is so much new information, but not... It is. Uh, it's, there, it feels almost all like exposition. Like, here, let's tell you about Aisha and what happened with her and how it is tangentially related to the story that we're telling now and it doesn't they don't feel as connected i think as they should Hmm. i feel like they either needed considerably less of this story like we already understand some of this story right? right before this episode we already kind of understood this we just didn't have specific details i think they gave us a middle ground amount of details they either needed to give us considerably less and give us more time with the characters we already know fixing the problem and whatever happens after it or they needed to give us 15 more minutes of this based on what you said earlier in this episode chris about like the actual horrors of the partition i would never have known that from this show yeah and I, now it's kind of a I criticism. Want more of this story yeah like i don't want less i want more i i I am not. Maybe I have this criticism of this show now, where they're mentioning this horrible thing, and now we're back in time and we're kind of watching it. And I, knowing nothing about it until you just basically explained it, wouldn't have thought it was that gruesome based on yeah. what we watched in this episode of Miss Marvel. If they would have spent fifteen, ten more minutes in the past in this timeline and kind of shown what these characters that we were just introduced to had gone through as a result of the partition, like maybe that would have been better. Maybe we would have connected with them a little bit more. I I think think a little more context would have been very good. Yeah. I think I would have really liked this and it sounds kind of weird, but I think I would have really liked them editing this and making it 
part of the first episode. Like a prologue? Yeah, I would have loved yeah. this as a prologue where you don't know who these characters are, you don't know how they're related, but you do know one of them has the bangle, and then you basically see this whole thing play out, see her get stabbed, and you see her call someone forward, and then it jumps to the same episode that we saw at the beginning, Yeah, and then... We then that is when the mystery is solved eventually when she gets pushed back in time. You go, oh, this is what happened. She went back in time. That's what happened. I think that would have been more interesting than this the other the way they did it the other way around. And I'm just remembering too that when Kamala first got the bangle, the image of the person person she was seeing in it was not Aisha. It was, it was Najma. Najma. Which is now even weirder. Yeah, I don't really understand yeah, it. Yeah, that was confusing back back in when we did that episode. Right, and I can't tell. Maybe it was Aisha. No, it was Namja. Najma. Man, that, that's so confusing. Why was yeah. it? Because I assumed it was the great-grandmother. Same. Yeah. The, the reason that it was Najma, and that, that was the reveal at the end of episode two, is because you saw that image, and you're like, huh, I wonder who that is. And then it was her in the car. That's why it was significant. Mm-hmm. I saw some tweet about this show, and I think I really agree with it. And it talked about how Marvel needs to just let these shows be what they want to be rather than trying to make them Marvel shows. Like, this show is straining really hard to be a teen comedy, but there needs to be, like, this bigger, greater, larger thing happening as a connected universe type of thing. Not necessarily a Marvel universe, but the way they do their storytelling of this, mm-hmm. like, big, grandiose, with a final battle type thing. And it, I think if they would have leaned more heavily into that first couple episodes of a, like a teen comedy, I would have enjoyed this more the whole way through. I think that maybe we needed, I know I said last week that maybe it needed to be a movie. I'm changing my mind. I think maybe it needed to be eight episodes, nine episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of story worth telling here. I I am firmly now in the camp that this should not have been a movie because we would have lost this. Right. And I do think that this story is, one of the best parts of the show so far for me, at least uh, I think it was very interesting. And like you said, peaches, I, I want more of it now. And that's something that yeah. you just wouldn't have time to devote to in a film, but in a TV show you do. But the, the thing is they did have time here. Yeah. And that's the thing is they that- had plenty of taste. This is, this was the shortest episode so far. If you take away the, 45 day long credits that they put at yeah. the end of all of these episodes yeah. it was only 33 minutes long mm-hmm. 40 45 days and 33 minute long episodes yeah. can you believe that thanks credits <laughs> well and i you have to wonder why they made this show so like short compared to some of the other ones especially like it's really hard to like come back from like stranger things where it's like an hour and <laughs> 10 minutes where they're allowed to have they're they're allowed to like milk every scene and every scene yeah. gets to have the breath that it needs and things like that. Whereas this, it always feels like we say this every time how like, I don't know how they're going to resolve all these strings and like they don't have any time left. And, and granted like, they found a way by resolving half of it in this episode. Right. Um, um, but like the resolutions now are her friend. We need to find out what's going on with Kamran and we'll talk all about this at the end of the episode as well. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like, I think this episode, this series has had a villain problem, and I don't think that as we get close to the end of the series, that problem was ever solved. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I, you know, it's tough. You know, I, I really was really, really high on this show at the beginning, and I feel like I've tapered off a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because it's kind of gone away from that fun 
different style that it was in its first few episodes. Yes, that first episode was so stylish, and it hasn't really been nearly as much as we've gone on. We've gotten some good stuff, and I would say that this maybe has my favorite favorite set of characters of any of the Disney Plus Marvel shows so far. Uh, Absolutely. Very excited for a hypothetical season two. Um, where we don't have to get all this world building done and we can yeah. just tell a story about these characters now. I think a season two of this will be great. I'm thrilled beyond thrilled that we're going to get her and presumably at least one or two other characters from this in the movie The Marvels that we're getting next year. Uh, you know, So mission accomplished from that regard, I guess, from that perspective. But yeah, I, I, I do think the show could have been more you know i think this show could have worked really well as like an 18 episode 25 minute an episode type of like serialized um what is it in 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 tv where it's um episodes are not uh they're not like story they're each contained in a storyline um oh like a like an angel or a buffy like a a monster of the week type like episodic series yeah yeah absolutely i think it would have worked really well there's an overarching arc for the series but it's also here's the adventure that's happening this week and it's also advancing the plot here's yeah i think it would have worked really well like that yeah and i think that would have been and i think it still can like i think these characters are really interesting and seeing them in these really fun interesting situations i think would be cool i think a fun thing you could do there is have like different guest superheroes every episode or every other episode yeah, where yeah. you have like this yeah, is the, she'd be perfect this for is that. the adventure she does with spider it's like um remember, uh, batman the brave and the bold yeah yeah like, exactly. like that but miss marvel i think that'd be really cool yeah yeah i would watch a longer season of this absolutely yeah I wonder why they restrict it to six episodes for the most part. That's the thing. I think that's just kind of the streaming model, first of all. Yeah. And that's so much, not to get on this rant, but so much of TV is now produced like movies where they're filming everything. Like, obviously this show, maybe, you know, they've had multiple directors on some of these episodes, but they schedule it like they're filming a movie. Like, okay, we're going to be shooting this stuff from today. It's all out of order. Whereas, like, when you're creating a TV series, like for network TV, that's being released over the course of a season, and often they're still producing the show at while the season is airing, they have to film that generally in order. And it is a very different process. And I think they're more willing to, you know, with higher production values of the streaming shows that necessitates a shorter series, I think. Aisha makes her way to Najima, who knows what's going on. Aisha and her family are trying to flee. You've turned your back on us, your family, your people. Najima pieces together that Aisha doesn't have the bangle and stabs her in the stomach. I'll find it if it's the last thing I do. Further along the platform, Hassan tries to find space on the train for himself and Sana. That's when he looks down at his daughter and realizes she's gotten lost in the crowd. Trapped in a group of people, Sana begins crying out for her mother as the crowd grows more and more intense. Hearing the faint cries of her daughter, Aisha slumps against the wall. Looking at a picture of her family and whispers, What you seek is seeking you. Calling on the Bengals' power, with Aisha's eyes glowing, a train whistle can be heard in the background and then two red Converse shoes appear. Kamala Khan has arrived on this same night. Alright, we have to talk about it. We have to. We have because it... First off, it breaks a lot of rules that were established in Endgame. Uh-huh. And two, it does it actually break those rules? Because 
you could make the argument that because she pulled her from the future, it wasn't Kamala traveling to her the past. It was her pulling someone from the future, and that is how it was always supposed to happen. See, for me, it is enough to say Bengal time travel is different than Quantum <laughs> Realm time travel. I am okay with that. I know a lot of people aren't. I've seen a lot of people online going, this doesn't make sense. And I think we alluded to this last week, but too many rules. And I think what we're going to see when you have a big mass connected universe like this is that if some sort of thing that was established constricts a story that they want to tell, if they think they have a better idea for a story, the the rule of good stories or the rule of cool or the rule of funny is going to outweigh any of that. Uh, so I'm I'm willing to just hand wave it away as this is magic time travel. That was science time travel. This is different. I don't think that there are a lot of people who are going to agree with you, Chris. I mean, no, no oh, they're not a lot, but I think there were going to be a large subset subsect of people that are not going to be happy. Oh, I know, I know, and probably aren't already happy. Yeah. How do you guys feel about? It? Are you happy or unhappy, or do you not care? I don't care. Yeah. I personally, you know? when story like I am pretty okay suspending my disbelief most uh-huh. of the time like nine times out of ten i just don't a lot people get into like how things work and like character psychology and stuff and i'm never that kind of person to me if a story works well if the characters are interesting yeah and the story is interesting and that's like i watch like a lot of anime and stuff mm. and a lot of that stuff doesn't make sense like right. you know if you give into the character psychology of naruto it doesn't make a lot of sense but you know that he had a, an, a, an entire nine-tailed fox trapped in his stomach for his entire life i hate when that happens you know isn't it you know it's tough uh, but yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense, and I think I'm fine with it because I don't really care about that kind of stuff, but I do yeah. know the Marvel nerds are going to be in an uproar, and I'm sorry, Marvel nerds. The continuity I care about is more character continuity and like big events. Right. Like like if they decided, oh, you know, the blip never happened, that would bother me. Yeah. This time travel working differently, I'm fine with that. Yeah. What about the, you, Peaches? Th- this part of the episode didn't bother me, the time travel part. Uh, <laughs> the part in this scene that did bother me was when she like can't figure out how to get this small girl to her dad and instead of doing any sort of wonderful cool things she could have done with her bangle powers she makes these like one foot in diameter circular platforms one inch off the ground and she has the kid hop along them. Like people weren't moving out of the way before and now they are going to move out of the way because of these floating stepping stones that are barely big enough for them to see. I think the point was to get her like high so that her dad could see Yeah, her. that's like Okay, lift her up. She's... 40 pounds yeah and and use your light powers to make a slide and slide her over to her dad uh, Whee! i mean maybe. down the light slide i agree that it was a less cool approach but similar to what i had just talked about my disbelief is pretty suspended here and i could make an argument for she was distressed because she would just traveled back in time and is now shepherding around her own grandmother trying to reunite her with her great-grandfather after her great-grandmother just died Knowing and that maybe if she fails she'll never be born and maybe her head isn't necessarily <laughs> in the most composed place to create a slide i get that from the viewer's perspective though i didn't need to see tiny stepping stones they, they weren't interesting 
Because that didn't bother me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, same. I didn't care. I followed the trail of stars. I hopped on a galaxy platform. I, <laughs> I don't know. It just, I don't know. It seemed weird. I, I just couldn't imagine. The, the thing I couldn't wrap my head around is why would people move out of the way for this? And I know that's the weird thing to be hung up on in the time travel Isn't light the point powers. that they wouldn't, though. They, they weren't supposed to move out of the way. It's supposed to make her higher. But the, but and she, yes, there is a more efficient. <laughs> there's a more efficient way to do that, sure. But that like wasn't, so she was so she's a kid, right? So she's like two feet tall, and yeah. on those floating pa- platforms, she was two feet one and a half inches. Like, yeah, she was didn't get, help I think, her. I think she was eventually going to make more platforms, but then she like broke one of the platforms because she also had powers. Yeah, and then she, that's how she found her. Her dad. I I know. I just I I didn't find it exciting. That's all. I just I, it could have been more exciting. Yeah but, the the okay. the time travel with her own family that wasn't exciting enough. We need crazy light shows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, everybody's different. <laughs> what? Um, I. It's the fifth episode, you guys. I don't. We're at the end of the story. Give me the exciting I, stuff. I think th- I think you and I agree on that, and yeah. we disagree on this specific scene. Okay, I don't think this scene is the reason why I felt. I feel the same way. I think. Oh no! This is compounded by what happens later because what happens later is even more lame, in my opinion. So I wanted, uh, upon reflection, I wanted this to be cooler to make up for how lame that thing, the future thing, is. Interesting. All right. Okay. We'll talk about that in here in a moment. Then. Um, I want to talk real quick about the time travel. So this is what is called a causal loop or a closed time loop or the bootstrap paradox. We know because we've watched Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. I need to watch that. Um, But a fun thing about a bootstrap paradox because, you know, one cannot pull oneself up by their bootstraps no matter what the rich people will try to tell you. Um, (laughs) That's that's why it's called a bootstrap paradox. Can you tell me about the avocado toast paradox after this? (laughs) I will. I will. Uh, can you talk to me about the cat with a piece of toast uh, on its back taped together paradox? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I love that one. I love that the one. The floating cat toast. This <laughs> statement is false. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I learned something about bootstrap paradoxes. That Let's say peaches. Peaches. You give me a pen. Okay. All right. You hand me a pen. Then I go back in time to two days ago. And I give you that pen. And that's the pen you gave to me. Oh, shit. So that item has no moment of creation, right? That is called, and I'm not making this up, a jinn. Named after the jinni of Islamic mythology. Because they could appear out of nowhere. So an item that appears out of nowhere because of a time loop is called a jinn. And I just think that's fun. I can't believe you haven't watched Umbrella Academy. Aluma Woody indeed. <laughs> right? You need to watch that show. You would really I keep telling you you would really like it. I know. And you keep not watching it. I feel like it. you'd I'm like sorry, I <laughs> I feel like you'd like five a lot. Yeah. I mean everyone likes five a lot. Yeah. Uh no, everyone likes Klaus, Klaus and Five. Klaus is not the show. And then it's a long drop off for me. Really? You don't I mean, like five? I like five okay, but I think Klaus carries that show. Yeah. But five is a long drop off? Um as far as characters that I like, really like, like, and I and I don't mean like like them as characters. I mean I, like like them in like a that's my favorite character kind of way. 
Yes, Klaus, and then a drop off to five. Wow. Because five is kind of an asshole. Yeah, he is. But he's a funny asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hurrying through the crowd herself, Kamala pushes by people trying to make some sense of what's happening. I'm, I'm trying to sound like I'm the dude from push uh, him. Trying to sound like the dude from uh, that used to do the intros from Korra. Oh, yeah. she spots Aisha and rushes over to her. The bangle <laughs> worked, Sana. It brought you back to me. See, I was thinking Clone Wars. There you go, or Clone Wars. Yeah. I think it's the same guy. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Kamala explains that she's not Sana, but that's neither here nor there for Aisha now. Get Sana on the train and protect that bangle. You have everything that you need. Through tears, Kamala cries that Aisha is supposed to save Sana, just like in the story she's heard so many times before. Aisha knows better. She's okay because you're here. And hands Kamala the photo of her family that she's been clutching this whole time. Sadly, Aisha dies. This is literally um, Order of... Uh, no, the other one. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yep. Expecto Patronum. Yep. Kamala heads back into the crowd and finally spots tiny little Sana on the train platform. She picks up the little girl and tries to get her through the crowd with her. Up ahead, Kamala can hear Hassan calling for Sana, and that's when uh, Kamala realizes what she's got to do. I can't do stars, but I can do circles, she tells her little grandmother. Placing Sana down... <laughs> Abuelita. <laughs> Placing Sana down on the ground, Kamala tells her they're going to play a game and starts making hard light circles for her to jump on. Seeing this, Sana stops her crying and excitedly jumps from one to another, moving through the crowd now with ease and making her way back to her father. Though Kamala can't get her, uh, her the last stretch of the way, the hard light particles, a trail of stars, lead her right back to Hassan. He knows what this is. This is Aisha's magic. Reunited, Sana jumps, jumps into her father's arms as he takes one last look back at Pakistan and gets on the train. It was me. Uh, <laughs> it was me. It was me. <laughs> It was me. I want her to know it was me. <laughs> okay, we both went to very different places. I went, I went your direction. <laughs> I went your direction. I can't not think of Game of Thrones I, whenever that's... That's also yeah. a good one, though. Yeah. But I did also. I did go to Mojo Jojo. Yeah. <laughs> Kamala whispers, knowing she's been part of this uh, story the whole time. The bangle begins to glow, and Kamala is brought back through time to the present day, arriving in the market where she left Kareem and Najma who are still lying on the ground after the blow from the bangle. In front of them, the veil has been opened, emitting an intense power that will likely destroy everything around them. However, back at Sana's house, Muniba is freaking out because Kamala still isn't home. Sana explains that her dog ran away, so she had <laughs> she had him microchipped. Muniba explains that if she a could do that... A portal is about to open and rip a hole in the de- earth as we know it. But back at home... Her mom's really worried about her. Let's <laughs> focus on that. For, I'm not making fun of Rachel. I am making fun of the decision to cut from. There's a portal on Earth about to do something crazy. Let's go see what her mom's up to. Sorry, I loved this. So uh, no, it was funny. Yeah. I think it was funny. I just hearing the scenes laid out back to back. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Hearing that's it out fair. loud, I'm realizing how funny it is to go from serious to yeah. Let's. <laughs> Take a pause on this explosion. <laughs> Muniba explains that if she could do that with her human child, she would, but she can't. That's when one of the cousins suggests that Muniba just log into the Find My Phone setting to track Kamala. Like spyware for adults, Muniba cries. Uh, that was great, too. How come no I'm just hearing about this now? <laughs> 
But with the veil open, the clandestines try to pass through it before the force is too powerful and they're disintegrated. Realizing that this is bad news, Kamala instructs Kareem to get everyone else out of the area while she tries to close it before it's too late. But Najima doesn't want it closed. She wants to try to go through it. Kamala reminds her that she has Kareem, but Najima uh, knows she's lost him. She left him behind. All Aisha ever wanted was to be with her family, and you took that from her. Don't take that from Kareem, too, Kamala cries, but it's no use. Najima knows that the only way to stop this now is to do her herself. She can close it. This is my least favorite part of this entire episode. Okay. Because she walks up, she's like, I'm going to go home. And then Kamala's like, no. And she's like, you're right, I'm going to close it. <laughs> it was. I have. It was very unclear to me. What was happening? I, I think I, I spent, don't know if she actually had a change of heart or what. I spent this entire scene with a "what the fuck" look on my face. <laughs> I said "what the fuck" out loud, loudly afterwards. Everything about this scene was really stupid, in my opinion. This is what drags the episode down for me. I, I there's so many things that I don't know. I don't know what the, what the direction is here. First of all. You watched your pal. Uh, this is my fa- this is one of my favorite parts is that they use yes. the pumpkin bomb disintegration. Yes, from yes. the first uh-huh. Spider Man movie. It's the same CGI. Yeah, I'm sorry for screaming into the mic right now. It looked like it came from 1998. Why didn't they? I, it looked so bad. I I'm sorry, animation team. But what? What did you get the intern on that one? Like. Oh, that's mean of me. I feel mean, but it was so it was bad. Not good. It wasn't good. But but I can look past bad bad animation because I still like video games from the nineties. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I don't understand is her friend walks into it, turns into a pile of purple skeleton bones, and then she's like, "I think I'll do that too." What what made you? What, did you? Are you guys flies inside of a human skin suit? And you see like a a zappy light. You're like, I gotta go see that right the fuck now. Sugar, <laughs> water. Like, did you More. not just see what happened to your friend? And then, if I can get past that, if I can get past that and the stupid purple skeleton bones, then she's like, oh right, my son. And then he, she whispers, Kamran, and that gives him powers. Why did what? Nothing makes sense. Yeah, nothing in this scene makes a lick of sense. I agree. Yeah, this this was a very fuzzy scene, and, for lack of a better and, word. And this is why I'm saying, if they would have taken 15 more minutes of past time to maybe add some horrors of of real life events and and maybe educate us on some of that a little bit, and they took this stupid shit out, I maybe would have liked this episode a lot more. But th- I can't not think about how how dumb this section is, and and maybe it's not dumb. Maybe there's a reason that we'll find out in the last episode that they turn into a, a pile of purple purple bones, and and something happened with them. Maybe they got through to the other side and they're in a different form and they're just shedding their human suit. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I mean, it felt so cheesy. Comrade. Yeah, I th- I think this this is a, a a pretty sour note for the show for me. Uh, I I'm a big defender of the show. I think the show's really good in a lot of places. I think uh, early on it was doing a lot of really cool stuff, but this is this is like C tier writing. Like it just isn't it just isn't good. It it's not clear. I can look past time travel. I yeah. can't look past her going. I'm gonna do this thing, and then Kamala going. No, and then her going, 
You're right. I I won't do that this time. Honestly, I think it would would have worked better for me if she had just been like, "No, I'm gonna try it anyway," and it was her stubbornness and the fact that she's not willing to listen to reason and is so single-minded on this that ends up being her undoing. I think that would have worked better for me. Well, I think they needed... Yes. They they needed to get her to give Kamran his powers. Yeah. Even though that doesn't make sense. Uh, You know, I mean, they could... Not until, like, back backseat, you know, write this, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But it could have just been, oh, her dying is, you know, all of their essences transfer into the last living one on, you know, her her last living blood relative. That would have been fine. Still weird, though. It would have made just as much sense. Why can why can Kamran now have powers without a bangle, but Kamala needs the bangle for powers? So I think we already established that she doesn't need the bangle because... Well, that's a theory. Sure, but I think that theory is being... This is proving the theory. I hope so. I think I think it is because Kamran is walking around with powers and no bangles. So. Maybe he'll walk into a tear and go, Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> I think God, I hope not. the bangle awakens their powers, so he had his powers awakened. There's been an awakening. Oh. Somehow Palpatine returned. No. Yeah. Um, you know what them turning purple into the big purple rocks before their skeletons fell out reminded me of? was the inhuman effect on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, where they would, if you were an inhuman, you'd like turn into like a stone cocoon. Yeah. Um, but if you oh, right. weren't an inhuman and you touched the Terrigen, then you'd like turn into rock like that and die. And it just kind of visually reminded me of that. And, you know, Ms. Marvel is an inhuman in the comics. Do you know what I just it, thought that was interesting. Do you know what it visually reminded me of? The... Amazon D tier movie Velocipaster. Oh no. Uh or anything of that caliber where they did not have any budget for an animation department. So they wanted to show a scene where the main character's car explodes and his parents are standing right next to the car and instead of an explosion scene, the parents are no longer in the shot and then there's a piece of paper <laughs> hovering over where the car is that says explosion (laughs) that would have been better than what they did in this episode not the best Uh, Najima knows that the only way to stop this now is to do it herself she can close it as she approaches the veil and it overtakes her with her dying breath she whispers Kamran halfway around the world Kamran feels this as the noor sweeps over him though it kills her in the process Najima closes the veil this is the best and worst time for Muniba and Sana to show up, rushing to Kamala. Embracing Muniba first, makes sure uh, her daughter is okay, and then spots Kareem. Who is that, she asks, always wary of boys. Pe- uh, piecing everything together, Muniba realizes that Kamala is that light girl. While she's a little shocked and trying to process this new information, Sana is happy. Our family is magical, she tells everyone. Uh, her mom looked a lot more happy than I thought she was going to when she found that about the powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool. I I actually really liked this. I said it earlier, but I'm so glad that they didn't save this stuff for the finale. By actually doing it in this episode, I, I think it's going to help keep the finale from feeling overstuffed. I also really like the idea of not just doing the same old 
oh, you can't be a hero. You're too young. You're like, it is interesting to instead be like, oh no, you're like, yeah. I, I guess we have Aunt May. Yeah. yeah. And she's, she's a similar example, but it is refreshing to not have the, no, you can't. Yeah. They're like, Hey, no, you, this is a gift from our, you know, our family. And then it's a part of you, and that's wonderful. Right. I, I really like that. I know she's going to be overprotective, but I, I, it does kind of seem like she's also going to be supportive right. of, of her, and I'm, I'm very excited about that. I like this parallel to the comics, because like I told you guys a couple podcasts ago, uh, her mom you know, claimed to have known the whole time uh, when, when Kamala revealed it to her at the end of that run. But she was supportive then, too. It was just that she knew. And we had that prediction that, you know, her mom was going to know the whole time. We were wrong about that, but she's still, like, supportive. Yeah. And I think you still might you might still be right about, you know, maybe she does make her the suit. I think so. Um, maybe that's how she that's supports. Uh, because she got another piece of the suit today, right? She got that, like, scarf. Yeah. yeah. She, she acquired one more set piece. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she almost has enough to uh, finally craft it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Not enough mats. Muniba still needs answers, and when Kamala hands Sana the photo from Aisha, she's overcome with emotions, and how it happened doesn't even matter anymore. Two people fell in love and created something, something much bigger than either of them would have created alone, Sana tells them. I mean, yeah, literally. Before they go home, Kamala asks to say uh, to go say goodbye to Kareem, and does so by using her hard light platforms to walk to him, much to the amazement and wonder of her mother and grandmother. She asks if he'll be okay, and Kareem assures her he will be, and Walid would be proud of her. He gives her his red dagger scarf, just in case, and tells her if she ever needs anything to call. Leaving the market, Muniba spots something on the ground and reaches down to pick up Kamala's necklace. It broke, she says out loud, uh, taking a closer look at the piece of jewelry. It's now in the shape of a lightning bolt. That was also kind of neat. I agree. It is Harry Potter. It's true. Back home at Sana's, the three generations of women sit around and look at an old photo album. Kamala is shocked to see pictures of her mother as Sana explains that Maniba ran away from home once to follow Bon Jovi. That was also a wonderful reveal. I agree. <laughs> Kamala can't believe that her mother was once a rebellious daughter too. Knowing she owns Kamala, she owes Kamala an explanation, uh, she pulls her in for an embrace. Your father and I had a lot of adventures, but I will tell you this. None of them have been as thrilling as being your mother. And recently, if I have been holding on really tightly to you, it's because I am not ready to let you go. You know, it reminds me of um, when I was younger, I was getting into like, you know, like classic rock and like metal from the from the 80s and stuff. And I was listening to a lot of Queen and I remember listening to a lot of Queen and um, my mom being like, I love this song. I love this song. And be like, what do you like? How do you know these songs? And she's like, no, that's like, this is the music I used to listen to. Like when I was a kid and I was like, no, it wasn't. There's no way. And she like <laughs> showed me pictures and she was like old. She like loved, you know, like hair metal and like that kind of Your stuff. Your mom loved that's hair metal? Awesome. She loved like Queen. She loved like Stevie Nicks, Sticks. Like she loved that kind of stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Very she was cool. She was super into like rock and like. Let's go. Yeah, dude. She, she was a roquera, they would call her. Uh, this stirs something in Sana, too, who apologizes to her daughter that she didn't hold her tight enough growing up. Muniba is finally ready to let go of the resentment she's been carrying for years and apologizes, too, explaining that she simply couldn't see what her mother needed to see. Achievement unlocked. Generational trauma healed. <laughs> Turning red. For Sana, this is all water under the bri- water under the bridge at this moment. Perhaps this is the journey I am intended to take, one that would bring me back to you. 
Halfway around the world, let's check in at Circle Q. Bruno is outside taking the trash out when Kamran appears out of the shadows. He doesn't know where else to go. Inside Bruno's room, Kamran tries to relate to him. So you're a car guy as well? But it doesn't go so well. This was hilarious. <laughs> oh, yes. Where he had the picture of Nikola Tesla on the wall. He's like, oh, so you're a car guy too? Oh, my God. That's funny. As if a Tesla bro wouldn't know who <laughs> Elon Musk is. Uh, they decide to restart their relationship, and that's when Bruno tells him his name is Bruno and not Brian. <laughs> I also enjoyed the reveal that he actually did think his name was Brian, yeah. and he's mortified by it. Yeah. <laughs> Bruno explains that they'll spend the night here and then figure out what's next tomorrow. But Kamran doesn't like this plan. He knows his mother will come back for him, so he doesn't want to go far. Okay, new plan. They'll just stay here and figure things out in the morning. Bruno suggests getting dinner from the fridge when Kamran spots a drone hovering outside the window. As it scans him, Kamran realizes they've got to go because he's been followed. He blasts the drone with his own hard light powers to Bruno's shock screams. You have powers too? Kamran's powers hit the drone, sending it away from Bruno's apartment and causing it to fire a missile directly into the Circle Q below, which explodes. Tony Stark's legacy, the Department of Damage Control, ladies and gentlemen. Also, was his grandma in there? His grandma wasn't in there, right? Oh, God, I hope not. Same. I don't know. Uh, I, I thought, thought the store was closed. I thought this ending was really abrupt. I agree, it was very abrupt. Yes. Um. Also... So who do we think the villain is going to be for the finale? Is it going to be? I think it's going to end the up being Department Kamran. of Damage Control. Well, I think or it'll is be it going to be Kamran be, upset about his mom. I think that's that's the one. Yeah, I think Kamran upset about his mom. He finds out his mom died. He's going to blame Kamala, and that is season two is going to be the two of them against each other. Maybe sure. Um, I don't think it's a, a very. I don't think that story is well enough told for them to to head in that direction. But it does seem like that's where they're headed. I'm not going to be thrilled if that's where they're going with yeah. it. Because any conflict between like a hero and a villain, quote unquote, that can be resolved by the villain saying, hang on, tell me again what happened. Oh, okay. Right. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's the safer route. Yeah. Because I think if they make... In this story, with these characters from this culture, if they make the final bad guy of the show a United States military organization, that would be too much. What if, like, U.S. agent shows up? Oh, no. And he's the villain. Then I hope he gets his ass kicked again. (laughs) Yeah, me too. You know what, though? I did like seeing Kamran with powers, even though it didn't make sense to me how he got them, um, because... That looked very much like he did in the comic. I thought that was cool, uh, except he turns his whole body that like shade of hard light. I mean, maybe he will eventually yeah. once he learns how to use it. Yeah, I think he will too. Well, maybe. I do think it's... Well, I, okay, I would have said no, and now that I know what purple skeleton bullshit they're coming up with, uh, maybe they will do it. <laughs> yeah. And I do think it is weird that they have the, basically the same powers. Yes. that is, Yeah, and they don't in the comic at all. Yeah. Oh, twin flames. Yeah, so uh, we've got one episode left. Where do you guys think it's going? I know we've already talked about maybe Cop Round is going to be the, the the future villain. Chris, where do you think it's going? Yeah, I I feel like damage control is still being built up as kind of the bigger villain here. Um, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess we're not getting who I wanted as the villain. Who did you want as a villain? The inventor. 
Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah I think we can spoil that yeah, now. Yeah, we can talk about the inventor. We can for sure spoil that now. Yes, the inventor, who was the uh, villain in the first run of the comics, is a clone of Thomas Edison, whose DNA has been mixed with a cockatiel. So he walks around, he wears like a 1800s you know, suit, but he's got a bird head. And he... Uh, <laughs> Well, he like kidnaps children and makes them wor- work for him. Uh, yes, but it's more than that. He kidnaps he kidnaps the children, and uh-huh. they are like his henchmen. Yeah, and he also builds a lot of robots, and yes. the robots are powered by the life force of those right. children. He will like create compartments in his robots that are like resting chambers for the kids, and they will be hooked up to tubes and shit in the resting chambers, and th- that's how the robots are powered. Yeah, and also he has a cockatiel head. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> yeah. And he's Thomas Edison. And <laughs> and Kamala calls him a bird all the time, and he always responds, "I'm not a bird." And uh, <laughs> he gets the re- really mad about it. The re- the Easter eggs in the first episode that I alluded to. Uh, one, there was a drawing of a cockatiel in her YouTube video that she made explaining what Carol Danvers was doing during the uh, the battle at the end of Endgame. But also when they sit on the roof of the uh, uh, Circle Q, there's a sign behind them that's like Edison Power and Light. Mm. So a couple little references, but I think that's all we're getting because if they introduced the inventor in this last oh. episode. And when we were at your place watching episode two or three, there was like some shawl that um, Nakia was wearing that had like a peacock, Oh, yeah. print on the back that kind of kind of looked like maybe the inventor's head what are the odds that they are going to reinvent the inventor and the inventor is Bruno uh, unless he ends up mixing with a bird I'm not interested yeah I don't <laughs> want it if it's not yeah that's a villain sort I want sort of like the tinker exactly. kind of thing yeah yeah no Bruno no I don't see this Bruno being a bad guy in any capacity yeah um, do we still think that Carol Danvers is going to show up? If she does, it's just going to be in the post credits to invite her to the movie. I think. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think we have a much better shot of seeing either Nick Fury or uh, Monica Rambeau. I want to see Wolverine. I would be super excited if Monica Rambeau shows up. I want to see. God, I love her. She's great. There's a a bunch of team up issues in that run, and one of them she has one issue with Wolverine. Ooh. And they're like going through the sewers and they beat up a mutant alligator and it's really fun. And we don't have Wolverine yet, but wouldn't it be cool? Taron Egerton wants to play him, apparently. Uh, yeah. yeah. So see that. ratings, what are you gonna rate this episode? Uh Chris, we'll start with you. Um, I I liked the stuff that I liked more than I didn't like the stuff that I didn't, if that makes sense. Um the the ending is very messy, I thought. A lot of that stuff late late in the game. Uh, so I am going to give this episode... I'm going to give it eight flower bed naps out of ten. That was the best <laughs> I could do, unfortunately, because I didn't think about this ahead of time. No! <laughs> eight? I liked the first part a lot. Like I said... I'm I, yeah. I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> What's your rating then? <laughs> no, I screamed in this mic about the part that I didn't like, and I can't get that out of my head. It ended really abruptly. I, it just doesn't. It didn't feel like a 
episode before the finale type of episode to me at all. I gave it six clandestine goodbyes out of ten. And I think that might still be too high. Okay. I might... I might be feeling generous. I don't know. Yeah, I think I land somewhere in between the two of you, mm. and I'm going to give it seven impressive skeletons <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> yes. They are impressive they, skeletons. They I are think. impressive. Well, that's, uh, that's the best rating, definitely. Uh, uh, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the recommendations. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Yes, the we don't have I always to remember to plan for. We don't have to pause for that because there's already a jingle. Yeah, it's true. You just insert the jingle. <laughs> Recommendation jingle. Uh, does you know what? Have anything to recommend? Do you know? Before we talk about them, hmm. I've now you know thrown that into I think three episodes um, total, and it finally dawned on me what that reminds me of. Stoofenschmerzy. Yes, it's that. Yeah, that's, that's what it reminds me of. That's literally what it is. Oh, that's what the music is, at least. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you sang it, um, and that's the music I found for it. <laughs> okay, I, I pitch shifted it up just a little bit to make it work. Uh, your voice. Okay, but listen, don't make me sound stupid right now. I didn't know that y'all did it exactly that way, and then <laughs> I, it finally dawned on me. Okay, I like Phineas and Ferb. Good job, Phineas. Thanks. All right, uh, I'm gonna recommend the uh, Marvel Phineas and Ferb. Cartoon uh, <laughs> uh, crossover episode. If you've never seen it, Phineas and Ferb. Actually, yeah, you know, I'm going to recommend Phineas and Ferb. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I, at an old job I once had, uh, we had it on in the break room quite a bit, and I grew to really enjoy that show. It is very funny, very well written, um, a lot more clever than a lot of children's cartoons. Did you ever have like a period in your life where you were um, not necessarily watching a children's show because you were interested in a children's show, but maybe you were like in a house, you were around kids and it was on and mm-hmm. just happened to be that you were just paying attention to it. That was, a, that was Phineas and Ferb for me. Like that was one of those shows in the background. Yeah. And I always thought this show is written for adults yes. yeah. and it just works for kids. Yeah. Yep. This is a smart show. It, well, and it goes in a, a better direction. I don't love the direction of. I'm not a big like Adventure Time regular show kind of guy. Get into Adventure Time. I tried the more like fantastical absurdism style of yeah. those of those cartoons. They're not for me. I'm much more of the Phineas and Ferb like witty, mm-hmm. funny, yeah. uh, self referential type show. That's a little bit more my speed. But maybe that's just our generation. Maybe yeah. Taught me what an aglet is. I know it's a word I will never forget that word. Mm-hmm. And I ain't got rhythm. But yeah, they did a Star Wars crossover special. They did a Marvel crossover special. So you know, if you've ever wanted to see Phineas and Ferb teaming up with Spider-Man to fight, I think Doctor Doom was one of the villains in it. Oh, that's cool. Red Skull, maybe. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was I can't fun. stop. I got a platypus controlling me. S I M P squirrels in my pants. There's yeah. so many bangers in they that. Really sh- in that show. Have you ever seen the Christmas special? The Christmas special is actually very good. The Star Wars one's also really good. Yeah. Doofenshmirtz is one of my favorite Disney villains. I'm just going to say does that. Does it stream on Disney Plus? It yep. does, yeah. Yep. The whole thing. Uh, and there's a there's a movie on Disney Plus, too. A new yeah. movie that was released on Disney Plus. What? Yeah. yeah. So, wow. lots of stuff. Peach, what are you recommending this week? Uh, I have a not recommend and a recommend. Are you going to recommend people not watch this episode of Miss Marvel? <laughs> Too too, late. It's too late for that. 
Um, no, it is the thing that I watched though. I had like a weird stomach bug on the third of July, which knocked me out of my July fourth plans because I was like nauseous all day and I had like a fever that was on and off, and I had no idea why or how or whatever it was. While I had that fever and could barely, ha- I barely had any brain function. I decided. I'm laying in my bed. I might as well watch something. And I have this list of movies that have I've been wanting to watch for a while that are supposed to be like psychological thrillers or mysteries, just like trippy movies in general that I've found from people on TikTok. So I watched, I'm thinking of ending things while having like no brain function at all. And I don't recommend that you do that <laughs> um, because that movie is very confusing on its own. And when you cannot think very well in the first place, it's even more confusing. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if I would watch it while not sick, um, but it was there's it's a, just a, one of those films where it's very confusing the whole time. Even at the end, you're like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" <laughs> uh, we were talking about Dice Throne earlier, so that's my actual recommendation. If you like board games, which I know a lot of you do, uh, Dice Throne is like battle yahtzee you have a character that you're assigned they're like you know some fantasy character like a ninja or a pirate or a wizard or something so all of fantasy ninjas classic (laughs) fantasy pirates okay listen you have a character and they have different moves and depending on what your dice roll are you choose to use those moves against an opponent or you can play i think against multiple people you choose who you're targeting Mm -hmm. and then you do damage to them based on what you rolled and then you know you draw cards and it's fun. It's it's Yahtzee, but battling. And then there's another version of it where you can all play together in like a cooperative campaign, oh. and you're going through like a dungeon with whichever one of those characters that you choose. You're defeating NPC characters instead of killing each other. It's like Dungeons and Dragon, but with but with dice. Yeah, yeah. and I would like it. Unlike the regular, <laughs> unlike the regular Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Yeah. So that's those are mine. Uh, I think for me, uh, I told this I was going to recommend this, and so thank you to Ark over in our Discord, which you can join by joining patreon.com slash subject required. I'm going to recommend people read the Percy Jackson series. Um, Let me tell you guys, I have read the Percy Jackson series numerous times. Every single book, including the second series, The Heroes of Olympus, they they do this really interesting thing where they have... um, it's like, I don't know if you guys know a lot about the stories, but it's about the uh, the current day kids of the um, Greek gods. So in the first Percy Jackson series, it's, it talks about how the Greek gods are still around today. They're still getting busy with anyone who, who, who walks and they're still having kids. So they have this whole like camp for them called Camp Half-Blood about kids who are half, half god. Um, and then the second book, or the second series is about more kids and about how the gods have like two forms. They have their Greek form and they have their Roman form. And then there are also a camp for Romans. Um, and it's really interesting to talk about like how different, like the, the Greek camp is all about like fun and they're like really chill. And then the Roman camp is like very militaristic and like it is, it's really interesting. That's and interesting. Go, it goes really, uh, really interesting places with that. Um, so huge recommend. And it ties in because, uh, Rick Riordan uh, was given a Disney Plus series, and there will be a Percy Jackson Disney Plus series here. Uh, I think next year it's coming out. Yeah, I think they they they've been casting people, and I think production mm-hmm. might have even begun. Right. Uh, um, what's his name? Um, from 
Jason Manzukis is playing Dionysus. There it is. Jason Manzukis is playing Dionysus. There has never been better casting. It's so for good. That's so perfect. And if, and if you're not familiar with Jason Manzukis, uh, <laughs> okay, if you ever watched a good place, picture Dionysus, he's Derek, uh, <laughs> Maximum Derek. Yeah. So he's got the big beard. He's actually Greek. Uh, so perfect casting. Uh, but he always plays like these. Just debaucherous characters. Every show he's on, he plays the same character. Yeah, he plays, he plays that just yeah. absolutely wild, out of his mind person. Yeah. If you know comedy of Bang Bang, he's he's the Hanong man. And himself. he plays he well, plays the vampire a, in that one episode. He's in Broken Nine Nine as well. He plays a crazy like uh, uh, I don't remember if he was retired and came back or just like some like really veteran cop or something. He's like. He's really crazy on that show too. He was on that show about fantasy football. Was that the league? The yeah. league, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? Dice Throne also ties in with Marvel because that's why we got on the subject. Because they're releasing a Marvel Dice Throne where a, the eight characters in that set are Marvel, Marvel heroes. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, th- there's a bunch. Of, they're all really cool ones too. They chose yeah. really cool ones like Black Panther's one. Wanda is a character. Miles Morales, Loki, nice. Miles, Thor, Black Widow, Captain uh, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, and ooh, I can't believe I got seven of them. I know that's impressive. On, uh, yeah, one recollection. <laughs> can't remember the eighth, but uh, but yeah, recommend Dice Throne. Recommend. Percy Jackson, especially if you've been playing Hades. I know Peaches oh, had yeah. Hades on the brain. Yes. So if you like that Greek mythology stuff, highly recommend. Y'all, I can't... I gush about my new job all the time, obviously not on the podcast, but I spent the first two and a half hours of my morning this morning talking to my coworker about Hades, uh, Magic the Gathering cards, Blizzard, because apparently Blizzard, for their employees that have like a certain length of service... They give them like swords and stuff. Five years, they get a sword. Yeah. Whoa! Blizzard makes them a sword, and it's not the same sword. It is a sword It's that... a different sword from something in their repertoire of yeah. games, and everyone gets it. I don't know if they get to pick or if they... No, just... no, they get the same sword, and then I think 10 years is a shield. And 20 is a helm. There you go. And so we were talking about like, oh, what Magic the Gathering swords are there that would be cool to have? Like, that would be pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I just have been having that itch to play Hades all day too. There's another recommendation. Play. I'm sure we've recommended that before though. We haven't, but we should have. It's a great game. I agree. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. If you want to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash assembly required. I want to give a shout out to our new patron, Jan. Thank you so much, Jan. And a huge shout out to our Avengers level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian, and Michael. Uh, Thank you guys so, so much. You can come over there, support us, and join our patron exclusive Discord. Have these conversations with us about Percy Jackson or the Marvel shows. Um, We're going to be talking our immediate thoughts about Thor Love and Thunder once we go see the shows in our spoiler chat there. So if you want to talk to us, get our immediate thoughts you can do so over that uh, if you want to email the show assembly required cast at gmail.com follow the show on twitter at assemblycast. Uh, i guess you can follow me on twitter uh, i'm at abcd eduardo one and phil kid three for robbie uh, if he ever comes back we'll see uh, <laughs> uh, he's like the busiest person of all time so that's gonna do it. it's gonna do it for myself for chris for peaches we love you 3000 bye everybody excelsior Bubbly, bubbly. Impressive. Interesting. Interesting.
for their birth? It was me who caused them to be? I triggered the events that led to their being on this earth? I dedicated my life to destroying what I had a hand in creating. I created them. It's all my fault. I did it. It was me. Well, Mojo, keep in touch, son. Yeah! See you around, Dad. Professor creates mojo, mojo creates girls, it's crazy, I tell ya. <laughs> yeah! So, once again, the day is safe thanks to the Powerpuff Girls, but thanks originally to Mojo Jojo. It was me. 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 <laughs> <laughs>